an hour, so I thought I'd record one more of these things today before bed. I'll try and keep this one short. For some reason, I keep recording these, and I just lose track of time when I end up 90 minutes, two hours in. I can, I can ramble for a really long time. Yeah. Uh, the usual uh, opening bookend I'll give this is that, of course, this is being done during the coronavirus pandemic. I'm sheltering in place, living alone. And I find it's uh, good to just talk uh, into my phone, recording these things and, yeah, getting my thoughts out of, out of my head. So I thought I would I would do one. I'm going to talk about San Francisco. But I live in San Francisco. I'm in the Bay Area, work in tech. And Golden Gate Park uh, just had its 150th anniversary on April 4th, earlier this month. I don't remember why. I don't remember what happened on April 4th in, in 1870. I don't remember why that date was significant. But I, I do remember reading about... It's interesting how the park came about. Like the, the fact that we have city parks now is something that we take for granted, but it was not always a given. Um, Golden Gate Park was the second major one to be made after Central Park in New York. A couple of the architects who worked on Central Park ended up coming out and designing Golden Gate Park. It was like their second major project. Um, yeah, most of the settlement in San Francisco early on was on the east side of the town. Golden Gate's over to the west. It it's, uh, borders the Pacific. It's a strip of land that uh, runs west to east. It can be two or three miles long, half a mile tall. It's big. I've, I've been over there. I, I, I went over to visit Cal Academy of Sciences, which is further inland. It's away from the Pacific Ocean. And I left and I thought, okay, I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk over to the water, to Ocean Beach uh, on the West End. And it, it doesn't look that big on the map. You're just looking at this patch of green. And you think, okay, it's, it's just going to be a quick little brisk stroll. But it took, it took a good close to an hour to walk from one end of it, the east end, to the other. It's bigger than you think, too. Like, I, I, I would like to move over there and live close to it because I had a coworker tell me, she said, if you live by there, you go, you, you could never explore every inch of that place. You could spend years just hanging out there and you, you would still discover new corners because it, it, it's so big. It's very, very dense. Uh, there, there's a lot of trees. Um, I feel like if you, you could like, you could turn around the wrong corner, like end up in the wrong, just sort of, just out of sight. If you like tripped over something, fell down and died, I, I feel like you, you could be there for a few days before anybody found you. 
if you really wanted to kill time, I guess you could go through there looking for dead bodies if you wanted. It's it's actually very lush. Like the the weird thing about San Francisco is that it was it was really just just like it was just sand. Uh, like you can look up the early days. Like if you find if you do like a Google image search, look up Yerba Buena Cove. Yerba Buena was like the little village settlement that was, there was two parts. Like originally it was like, there was, there was the Dolores Mission, which was founded in 1776 down in what is now the Mission District. And up, up in the financial district, North Beach era, area, right, right where Portsmouth Square is, uh, Montgomery Street used to be right on the water. That used to be where the shoreline was. And that little, Patch, there were some houses there called Yerba. It was called Yerba Buena. And if you look at images from that day, it's just it, you just see like it's just sand. You look at Telegraph Hill, Russian Hill in the background. Uh, it, 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 there's these little mounds of sand that have some scrub on them, and that that it's really kind of illogical. Like if you were thinking it through, you wouldn't decide to put a bunch of tall buildings in an earthquake prone zone in that area you you could go almost anywhere you go north of go into the north bay and you you have more solid ground to build on than you would in the city what is now the city san francisco proper Um, anyway, but the, the, so the, originally the problem was how do you how do you plant things? Because there, there's a very strong wind that comes off of the Pacific. It kind of blows over Ocean Beach. If you go over there, you're going to get sand in your in your teeth. I walked along Ocean Beach. It's it's very very windy. The problem was the, the joke was if you're going to like plant foliage and plants in what was originally the plot of land for Golden Gate Park, you could set up a plant, but you would have to put four stakes around it, around every single plant, just to keep them from blowing away. There's a plant you'll see all over the Bay Area. It's, it's silver lupine. It has this uh, purple flowers to it, like these kind of uh, cone, purple cone flowers. If you live in the Bay Area, you, you, you know them. But they tried planting that and the stuff would just blow away uh, before it was able to take root. This, and how they fixed it, it was kind of, it was an accident. Speaking of, um, you know, necessity being the mother of invention and I guess the father being dumb luck. One of the park's architects, uh, William Hammond Hall was feeding his horse and he, he, his horse wouldn't eat some oats or barley. And he threw them onto the sand. And those didn't blow away. They were small enough. And he came back a week later. They had taken taken root and sprouted. And so there was this little green covering on the patch where he'd thrown the barley. And so he threw down something slightly bigger that the barley sprouts were able to hold in place and those those seeds took hold and grew. So if you just incrementally worked your way up through larger 
uh, plants, you could make it so the wind would not blow things away and you, you could end up planting trees. And th this is why it's so green and lush and you can just get lost in what looks like a jungle over there now. Yeah, it was all it was all sand. I meant you know I mentioned that Montgomery is very far inland now. Montgomery Montgomery Street. Uh, that used to be where the shoreline was though. If you if you rolled into uh, San Francisco in the gold rush days, you, you were probably coming into Yerba Buena Cove. It was San Francisco by that point. Uh, that was where you anchored down and yeah, there's people living on the sand in tents. It's interesting just how many people influxed into the town where there, there was just no infrastructure here whatsoever. People were just living living in tents on the side of hills, like I very hand to mouth, however you could eat. I don't I don't know how things functioned. But the shoreline was moved, and there, there, there have been. There's a very, very good podcast about the Bay Area called Bay Curious, which is, I think, affiliated with NPR, and they do little bits about San Francisco history, San Francisco lore, and they they did one about Phil, uh, landfill. So the the water around what was originally Basically, the land in San Francisco was, was very, very shallow. Much of it was not that deep. And so as land became scarce, people realized that they could make more of it by just, you build a wall out away from the shoreline. You pump the water out of that spot and just throw a bunch of junk into it, like throw dirt, garbage, Whatever they had access to, they would just pour it into this hole and just create land. And this, this, this is before 1906. They start doing all this, so they they don't realize. It's not as though they're they're thinking about earthquakes, and this is actually the problem. Like there, there's the Marina District to the north and the northwest side of town. And the neighborhood where I live in, Soma, in some parts of the financial district, uh, those are, that, that's basically on land that was created by dumping trash into the water until it just sort of became solid. And if you, so if the next time the big one hits, next time there is an earthquake, that, that, that those are the places you do not want to be. The term that people always toss around is liquefaction. Essentially, you have this this land which fundamentally is not that stable. If if it if it starts experiencing extreme seismic activity, the ground is basically going to liquefy underneath what is built on top of it. And it, it's a cheerful thought because this is this is the neighborhood that I live in. I live in Soma. Soma is very much the building I live in. I don't know 
what happens when the earthquake hits it. I remember it dawned on, like I had moved to San Francisco, I was here for a little while and I realized late one night, maybe two or three in the morning, an earthquake could hit here. Like I had never put it together. I moved to San Francisco. I learned about San Francisco and the earthquake like many, many years ago, but I just, I put it out of my head because it's irrelevant when you're living in the Midwest. But then I put it together, like I now live here. This is now a very real threat. But then I thought, ah, you know, it's two or three in the morning. There's no way an earthquake can hit that late. Like for some reason, my brain went right to, you know, mother nature's on a schedule. She's going to wait till I'm more convenient. Wait till everybody's awake to, for, for, you know, for the plates to shift, the tectonic plates to like grind against each other in the San Andreas fault. Then I realized, oh no, that's actually, that's a, an incredibly dumb thought. And I kind of freaked out. It's like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I'm actually, I've been wondering about that. I, I, I sincerely hope that, I hope that the, the planet can wait. I hope that geologically the earthquake doesn't happen now. With the whole coronavirus pandemic, everybody's sheltered in place, trying to maintain social distancing. And really the, the medical system just being as stressed as it is right now, everybody has, there are, there are, people are putting out other fires right now. If, if, if the, when the next earthquake hits San Francisco, if it is anything like the 1906 earthquake, that is going to be devastating. It would be the perfect storm if it happened to hit right now. And then coronavirus is happening on top of that. You'd have people rushing to help each other that would get out of control just very very that would be a terrible situation if i can person like if i can anthropomorphize mother nature i hope she has the common decency to like wait just give us a chance to get over this other thing you're throwing at us first one thing at a time Yeah, but anyway, I do, I do wonder what that would look like. We, we have streets of concrete now, but I, I remember hearing about the 1906 earthquake. The places where the ground liquefied, where there was liquefaction, like apparently people were just sucked into the ground where this happened. Like people were on the streets. When it hit, there were not a lot of people out. It happened very, very early in the morning. Most people were still in bed, but it, the ground just turns into quicksand. That can't be. I watched a documentary about the 1906 earthquake. This this was so funny because the narrator of the documentary, it's like whenever they do a trailer for a horror movie, they find the absolute scariest guy they possibly can. He has like a very intimidating voice. Makes everything sound just way worse than it actually is. He was narrating this whole documentary for 90 minutes, just very melodramatic. But little did they know that this was about to happen. 
and I, I remember I was watching this at night. It was like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and it ends. And it just ends with him saying, San Francisco will be hit again by earthquake. We don't know when. It could happen in 10 years. It could happen tomorrow. It could happen tonight while you sleep. And then the credits just rolled. That was how, how it ended. I, I feel like the only thing it was missing was some kind of maniacal laugh. And I just had to go to sleep after that. Pleasant dream. I actually thought it was hilarious. Anyway, I promise to keep this one short. I got to cut myself off. I've had enough. Get back on the wagon. Anyway, as always, the closing bookend, I'll say wherever you are, hope you're healthy, stay healthy, take care of yourself. Jim, signing off. Cheers. <laughs>